This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in to another edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. Hey, how you doing? I'm Chris Mack, co-host of the Fan Morning Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh and the host of this fine establishment. It's not an establishment. It's a show. I don't know why I called it that. This is my basement office. It's not an establishment either. It's just an office in my basement. Oh, you can't see it? Well, that's because you haven't watched the show on YouTube yet. You need to do that. Go to youtube.com slash 93.7thefan. You will be alerted if you hit the little notification bell every time new videos are posted to the 93.7thefan YouTube channel, including entire episodes of fifth avenue face-off like this one right here if you prefer the audio edition you know you can get it wherever you get your podcast just subscribe and while you're there leave a rating and a review if you don't mind be nice be gentle uh or just go inside your odyssey app download it now if you haven't yet the app free the content free at a-u-d-a-c-y and then up in the upper right hand corner you'll just tap follow and bang you'll get notified as soon as new episodes of fifth avenue face-off are available today's episode We're going to ask someone who I trust implicitly with their hockey knowledge, what did we learn from the eight first-round NHL Stanley Cup playoff series that can affect the Penguins offseason specifically, if not the NHL offseason as a whole? Yes, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic going to join me today. And we'll also, we'll put him in a very oddly specific place that he'll never be able to get to in real life and we'll time him while he's there I'll explain that once we get Jesse on the line and also where does this front office search sit one place I think many of us can agree on and I know Jesse spent much of his Tuesday arguing with people about this and I agree with Jesse in this line of thinking is that it's not in one place in particular with just a well-known name. Uh, we'll get into that with Jesse before we wrap things up. But there are, again, eight series that have been decided. The first round in the rear view, second round up and running already. And we'll get Jesse's opinion on just how each of these series affects the Penguins going forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And there he is, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Pleased to be joined by him for a comprehensive, if rapid fire, breakdown of how the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs affect the Pittsburgh Penguins going into this offseason. And uh, we'll, we'll old like old men, shake our fist at clouds before we wrap this up in regards to one thing that I know Jesse spent much of Tuesday arguing about online. And also, we'll give you an opportunity, Jesse. Congratulations. You get to crawl into Mike Sullivan's brain uh, for just a few minutes before uh, we, we wrap this up today. But thanks for doing it. I appreciate you taking the time, first of all. Um, Let's let's just take each series and and I'll throw each series out to you and give you 60 seconds essentially to tell me how that series and the way it shook out affected the Penguins going forward into the offseason. And we'll we'll start out west in ascending order of length of series. So the Jets go down uh in five games to the Vegas Golden Knights in a series where Their head coach rips them a new one, much like he did late in the regular season. Their goaltender does all he can, but clearly he can only do so much. And perhaps it's all about breaking down a core now for the Winnipeg Jets after going down in five to Vegas. What do we take away from this series? Uh, I don't know. For me, Chris, it's just that you can't in modern, and you'll probably hear me say this like three or four times throughout this rapid fire, but the Jets didn't have any offense, Chris, at the end of the day. You know, they have an unbelievable goaltender. They try to play to that strength and make his life even easier, um, which they think is going to net them a, a better result than um, if they try to play keep up with some of these talented teams. And I know you can look up and down when a plague's line up and say, hey, they don't have this, they don't have that. Um, you know, may- maybe they don't have the guns to to hang with some of these bigger teams. But I agree the Kraken don't, and they just beat the Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, to me, it's just, you know, the, yeah. the trend that the game is going, Chris, the style of play these days, I don't think it be- it, it's be- befitting to approach the game the way that the Jets do. So what does that mean for the Penguins? They have a system that's pretty aggressive. Right. I think it's got kinks, things that need to be ironed out. But I think what that series tells you is you're on the right track and you're playing the game fundamentally, at least in a way that's uh, winning in the National Hockey League in 2023. Okay, I'm going to tack on to the end of your 60 seconds with each of these series. One stupid question that you just give me a yes or no answer to and feel free to elaborate on just how stupid the question is via your facial expressions. (laughs) Okay. should the Pittsburgh Penguins pursue a trade for Connor Hellebuck this offseason? I don't think they can, Chris. I, I think, yes, they should, but every team in the league is going to try to get Connor Hellebuck services. I mean, if the Jets are really going to blow it up like the way that they're they're talking about doing, and if they're really going to build it from the ground up, you can't keep Connor, Connor Hellebuck there, right? right. Uh, not at his price tag anyway, certainly. So fitting him in under the cap would be a challenge for Pittsburgh. They'd probably find a way to do it with some of the contracts they have moving out. But if you're interested in acquiring his services, they don't have the capital and prospects to be able to make that happen. Um, that's just a fact. I think it's going to take a, 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 a mortgage in order to get him out of there. And you're going to have to give up, you know, maybe your one, three, and six best prospect or something like that. And the Penguins just don't have the assets to right. do it. All right, Minnesota and Dallas, the wild fall to the Stars in six games. Great goaltending again on one side. On the other side, we got a couple of, I don't know, do we call them Penguins cast-offs, I guess? 
Penguin goaltender, former Penguin goaltenders that they probably would have rather not gotten rid of, especially in retrospect. But this is six first round exits in a row now for the Minnesota Wild. Um, is there anything to the revisionist history of, oh, if only Billy Guerin would have been kept around in Pittsburgh, or oh, if only Flower or Gustafson or any of these people would have been kept around in Pittsburgh? What do we take away from the Stars and Wild series? Bill Guerin would have been way better than Ron Hextall. I don't know that it would have, you know, monumentally changed their fortunes, but I think we can all agree that he probably done a little bit of better job navigating this than Hextall did. Um, here, here's my takeaway from the series of the Penguins, Chris. The 1-3-1 power play still works. Mm. Still works great. Dallas's 1-3-1 is just, just filthy. Uh, they set it up to where not only like a guy like Rope Hans can score a thousand goals, but he's got lanes to throw pucks down. It, you know, the Penguins run the same power play, Chris, but the focal point's different. You watch the way Dallas does it. They want to work from the goal line out. Right. They want to start at the bottom of the ice and come up with it, go low, high. The Penguins want to start high and get bullied to the blue line. So that's the way it works. You know, the, 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 the tape's there if you want to have a successful 1-3-1. The tape's there. Um, the Penguins, if they want to keep trotting out, the, the same one that they've been trotting out for the last couple of years, I think the numbers are just going to get worse. Is Ottinger also proof that you absolutely have to have an elite level goaltender if you want to go anywhere in yeah. April and May? He has. So, uh, you know, looking at goalies that are still playing uh, and have played more than two games in the playoffs, Chris, he sa saved four and a half goals for the stars versus what a league average goaltender would have saved in that series. That's a lot of four goals is a lot, Chris. That's a lot yeah. of goals. That makes, that can make or break a series for you. So a hundred percent of all the goalies left right now, he's the only one that's like normal, so to speak of like a guy who's just a regular yeah. old starter going about his business. All right. I promise the stupid question to wrap up each series is not going to be about a, a, a goaltender every time, but here we are. Should the Penguins be interested in prying Marc-Andre Fleury out of the Minnesota Wilds hands and giving him one final run here in Pittsburgh? No, only if he retires and it's to hang his jersey up. If fair it's enough. in a playing capacity, no. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'm with you on that, actually. Uh, as great as it would be to see the, the final send-off um, on the ice is probably not the place anymore. All right, Kings, six-game losers to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I, I think the Kings interest me in that I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of off-season transition but there was a lot of transition in season as well it felt like they find goaltending on the fly maybe there's a lesson to be learned there um but does it still just boil down to having upper echelon elite skill and as long as the Oilers have that well they shouldn't worry about getting through the first round I think that's what that's what's relevant to the Penguins Chris right yeah is their their older players you know your Crosby and Malkins are still at a point per game and I know it's a far cry from what Connor McDavid is doing but look at Matthew Kachuk too right like I think what this playoff has told you and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more for the Florida series is that you can have still win with superstar talent it's still a recipe you may not have the better team but if you have one or two players that can you know, pull them up by the by the bootstraps and drag them across the finish line. Sometimes that's good enough to get the job done. So I'll acknowledge the goaltending piece too, is I think that you know there was that that addressing it as you go sort of methodology to it, which should give everybody in Pittsburgh hope that maybe it's not going to be as hard as we think it's going to be. I think it will, but uh, there is that hope there that it might work out that way. So yeah, I think those would be my two big callouts from those series. Really, is 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 that the stars can still get it done if you have them. Um, and that goaltending solutions can sometimes be found in bizarre fashions. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not really, a, I, I don't think, a stupid question, but but to put a button on this series, is that is there a lesson to be learned by what the Kings did this year and that they kind of played goaltending musical chairs for a hot minute there around the deadline 
and they still managed to kind of figure it out in the end. And that may, it may have to be what the Penguins do this offseason. There were a lot of tandems this year, Chris. A lot yeah. of really bizarre situations. I know like a couple of people have asked on Twitter this week, is that the trend that the league is taking? Uh, it may be, you know, but I think if you have a stud Vezina candidate that can handle 70 games of duty, you're not going to just suddenly start taking time away from them because other people are having success with a tandem. A tandem is a thing of necessity, right? It depends on right. what your depth looks like and everything like that. But I just, you know, for me, um, yeah, I think if, if nothing else, it shows that you can get creative with how you approach it um, and that, you know, riding the hot hand does in fact work. All right, the most surprising series of all out West. The Kraken upset the abs in seven games. Maybe not surprising if you looked at the absence of Landeskog throughout the year and really the absence of a true second-line center in Colorado, um, that they weren't able to survive or that they had a, a little bit of a soft underbelly that I guess could be could be exposed. Um, Philip Grubauer gets a little measure of revenge, and I end up pulling for the Kraken now because every time I look up, there's a former Penguin on the ice. Yeah, a lot of them, right? Um, I I think the takeaway here is that aggressive forechecking can destroy the confidence level of even the best and most talented players in the game. Uh, Kale McCarr is unbelievable. I think he's the best defenseman in the league, but that crack and forecheck did a number on even him in that series. Um, he you know he he got his as he's going to Chris, but there were times where he coughed a couple pucks up, didn't look too sure of himself. Uh, Seattle is sending the house. I love that. I think it's great. Um, you know, they are not as talented as Colorado was, even with the absences Colorado had, I don't think they were as, as talented as Colorado was. And they just threw caution to the wind and they said, we're not going to win. It's 2023. We're not going to win by, by playing defense and, and closing it up. And I think they have a coach in Dave Haxtell who learned a lot, learned a lot. And it's rare that you can say that about an NHL coach that's, you know, been fired and rehired in a short period of time is they actually exhibit growth. <laughs> and that's a, that's a huge compliment. So I'm, I'm loving this. I, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, the trend really since the Penguins won the cup and Mike Sullivan started it with the I'm going to throw you know two four checkers at you every shift. It's only gotten more extreme. And I think right now Seattle's got one of the most extreme versions of it. Um, and it, that, you know, they, they know they're going to be vulnerable on this system, Chris. They know it. And then the data shows that they were, but it didn't make a difference. At the end of the day, the scale tipped in their favor because they sold out and they went for it. And I hope a lot of coaches take notes from that. And again, not necessarily a stupid question to wrap up this series and the four Western series, but a, a question nonetheless that maybe would sound stupid to Mike Sullivan if we asked him, does he need to re-examine everything about his system and the way he's doing things? You mentioned Hackstall showing growth and learning from past mistakes. I, I don't know. Does it feel to you, correct me if I'm wrong, that Mike Sullivan has necessarily learned from the mistakes of the last three or four years? I think the power play is definitely an area where I would say no to that. Um, I think that's one that really needs a big time refresh. And I think that I'd, I'd examine a little bit of the nuance, Chris. I think at the end of the day, they do have a fairly aggressive forecheck that can attack on the front foot. Um, the roster maybe didn't match the system perfectly last year. Let's say they get a GM here who can sign a couple guys that fit the Sullivan bill. I think the foundation's there. I don't think he needs to tinker that stuff. I think they need to think about the the pass they give to pinching defensemen um, and what mm-hmm. that that allowance slider looks like, if you will. Uh, I think they need to refine some of the things that go on in front of their net in the defensive zone. But overall, Chris, I think the system, looking at how they play fundamentally, a lot of teams are doing what they're doing and having success with it. So I don't, I think at the end of the day, there's, there's updates that need to be made, but the base foundation is just fine. All right. To the Eastern side now, and we start with the Islanders losing to the Carolina Hurricanes in six games. I know you mentioned it when you talked about Winnipeg, it came up or will come up in an analysis of, of Minnesota losing to Dallas, but we're left wondering the same thing, or maybe not wondering anymore. Uh, despite the Islanders' success over the last couple of years, 
you still got to have some skill up front, don't you? Yeah, they went and got it too, right? I mean, they added Bo yeah. Horvat, who was really good for them. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. They're in a bit of a limbo right now, the Islanders are. But um, at the end of the day, Chris, I think that making the decision, right? Like making a conscious decision to say we're going to converge on our goalie um, and attack out and counter from there is a dangerous way to live. Um, even with a beat up Carolina team and a team that maybe wasn't operating at 100%, um, you're operating, I think you're giving them a little bit too much freedom. You know, I think good teams these days, Chris, are, are, are putting their focused effort on the blue line and trying to stop mm-hmm. you from crossing it, not uh, giving you the, the ticket to get in and then worrying about it from there. And that's that's a little bit too much of what the Islanders are doing for me. They give out too many free passes to get into the zone and think that they're going to you know, clean up the defensive effort from there. And, you know, that's uh, that's that's a little antiquated uh, for my money. Uh, Frederick Anderson available this off season. And if so, should the penguins pursue him? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most perfect solution, Chris. Um, but I think it's one that is going to potentially be a little bit more affordable than others. Um, and, and look at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm about availability and I just think you look at Tristan Jari and not that Anderson hasn't had his issues, Chris, but he's just playing more right now. Factually, he's playing more hockey. Uh, and, and I don't know that they're all that far off in performance. I take the guy who plays. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Give me the one of the two that's available. Uh, Tampa loses to Toronto in six, finally starts to show some cracks in the foundation, or maybe just they're worn down from the last few years. And Toronto finally, for the first time in uh, 19 years, gets their first round series victory. So the start of something for the Maple Leafs or maybe just the delayed gratification and now the the rush of the sugar high they'll crash from maybe uh, in the second round against Florida. And is Tampa done on any level or is this just sort of a pause and they need a nice long summer to get right? Um, they're not done, Chris. They need to smartly make, they need to be smart about their decision-making process here. Right. Um, they threw a lot of draft picks at Tanner, Janot, right? Like, what are they going to do about him? What, mm-hmm. what, what, what kind of contract does he get? You spend a lot of capital to bring him over there and you're not exactly in a, in a position where you can start handing out a big money contract to people. No. So, uh, if they got to be smart, that's it. I think that the cores is still going to be there. They still have a ton of talent, but how they supplement that talent. I mean, you and I both know that depth plays such a critical role to this. It's the ability to roll four lines. It's the ability to not have to hide a defenseman somewhere. Um, You get into those weeds, all of a sudden, um, things get a lot harder for you. All right. Uh, Boston, Florida, the shocker of all shockers. Uh, I I was shocked it went six games, let alone seven, and the Panthers won. Uh, Is it time to retool and rebuild in Boston? Um, Hard to tell if Bergeron will, will be back or not. Patrice Bergeron probably doesn't even know yet if he'll be back or not. Um, I think we saw that maybe antsy or anxious management of your goaltending late in a series might not always be a good thing going to Swayman. Um, and I think we saw that everyone loves a good shit stirrer, right? And while Brad Marchand is excellent at that, Matthew Kachuk may take the, the, the belt now as the supreme net front getting under your skin. I've got skill, but I can also make your goaltender's life a living hell shit stirrer. Yeah, that's that's the that's the critical piece to all this, Chris, is that like it's so rare to me to see one guy in Matthew Kachuk um, have this effect on a franchise like they just upset one of the best regular season teams in the history of the National Hockey League. And it was largely due to just his efforts. I mean, whether it be talking and running his mouth in the media saying that we're coming back, see you back here for a game seven, like the confidence level that he instills uh, or just his ability, like you said, Chris, to get in the offensive zone and elevate the, the level of skill of his teammates. You know, Carter Verhage, for instance, 
uh, I think you watch him this year, you start to, to notice things like Carter Verhege waiting uh, and becoming a little bit more patient on when he releases his shot. Look at the game winner they scored in game seven, mm -hmm. Chris. You have Kachuk just passing by like a ship in the night. Verhege with the puck on his stick waits for the right moment to take the shot for the screen to be there. And it's just if you go back and look at behaviors from him uh, from years ago, did that trade exist? Uh, maybe that's the natural development path that a forward takes and they pick up things and they get savvier and I'm willing to acknowledge all that. I'm also willing to acknowledge that Matthew Chuck probably had a really big impact yeah. on this young player's productions. I think for me, I go back to this thing. Star players can still win series. They can still do it. Um, the proof's in the pudding uh, from what we looked at here. And I think that that's a good sign for the Penguins. I know that these star players are older now and you don't expect them to put up a Chuck-like effort. But, um, you know, it's it, sometimes, you know, you can end up with a situation where um, one player tangibly impacts a team in a, in a way like we saw for this series. Uh, does this back up the idea that maybe cutting bait on your head coach, your experienced head coach is not always the way to go too? Um, I know Boston had a great regular season. I don't want to take anything away from that, but I'm left, you know, for all those people that say, oh, well, the first round exits and eventually Mike Sullivan's got to be held accountable. Uh, his buddy was held accountable and sure it worked out for Boston in the regular season, but in the end. They, they didn't get any farther out of the deal. In fact, they didn't go as far as they have many of the past five, six, seven seasons. Sure. And Chris, you mentioned this goaltending piece, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a feel, that's a gut call from a coach. Yeah. Um, the idea that like, I'm going to play this guy that's hurt and can't get side to side, can't make these saves and is limited in mobility versus this other guy who I'm like, you think back to how Mike Sullivan handled that in the Murray flurry days. And he didn't make a mistake. Rarely did he make a right. mistake. Uh, that's a big deal. So yeah, I'm 100% with you. Uh, the grass isn't always greener, right? And uh, if you have somebody that's got that that pulse, um, finding someone else that has it can be a little bit difficult. Final series of the first round. Um, Rangers losing seven to the Devils when it felt like after the first two games, two wins in Jersey for the Rangers, this thing was going to go completely differently. Jersey takes off. They find a goaltender out of nowhere almost literally nowhere. And we discover that, Hey, when it comes down to it, speed is still young. Speed is still the silver bullet. Yep. There was all that talk, Chris, going into the postseason, whether the, the rush offense, and let's be clear, the devils, their whole, that's the whole system. They mm -hmm. want to get the puck North as quickly as possible. They want to have their D join the rush. And they want to attack you off the rush. A lot of people didn't think that was going to work in the postseason. It did. <laughs> it decidedly did. And, if it, weren't, if, and if it weren't for the goaltending of the Rangers, that series has been over a lot sooner than it was. So uh, yeah, that, that's my takeaway from the series. Again, look at the end of the day, we're in 2023, the tempo of the league at this point, the stylistic way the game is being played is getting faster. It's getting more rush based. And you have to find a way to be able to generate scoring chances like that. Um, the Penguins have done it in the past. They've had a lot of success with it. Not so much this year. I think that's a personnel issue, but I think if your takeaway, you're looking for a takeaway from this series, Chris, it's that it still works, and that uh, you know, they, Lindy Ruff is an old dog that learned a couple new tricks um, and uh, adapted to what his roster has in a really, really amazing fashion. One final stupid question: uh, Is the Devils' rather quick ascendance proof positive that you should hold on to those first round picks and that you should try to make the most of them? rather than the complete converse of that argument, which is, no, you're still building around the core. Deal whatever you can deal and build for now. You have to have that cheap talent, Chris. You have to, right? Um, and I know the cap's going up. It's it's at a marginal level. Um, you're able to fill out the rest of your roster in such a, a more thorough fashion and when you have young, good, cheap talent um, that you can build around. So 100%, yeah, I mean, that's still, that's still the plan. Um, 
you know, it doesn't have, and you don't have to hit home runs to do it. Right. I mean, the devils, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they certainly have home runs on their team, but um, you know, they, they've, they've done well with development period point blank. And it's, there's a train of good players coming for them in the years to come. It's not just, it hasn't stopped. So um, yeah, that's an organizational wide thing. Chris. 100%. Real quick uh, before we move on, I want to put you in a very scary place um, and time you in, in putting you there. Uh, give me your four conference finals participants. Who gets through the second round? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding with the Devils. Frankly, um, I I do like the Canes despite the fact that they've got. Uh, or excuse me, I, I I like the Devils. The Canes are a little bit too beat up for me right now, um, and I think that's really where we're gonna see it. We didn't see it against the Islanders a ton. They made it through there. They, they it was a buzzsaw. That depth is going to get tested now, yeah. um, and the speed cancels out. So where Carolina's got their big advantage is how fast they can play. Um, I just don't think um, that the Devils care about that. Um, I do think the Leafs are going to win. Um, it wasn't their best hockey in round one. Um, there were times where, you know, analytically, you look at that series, you say, wow, I can't believe they got out of there at all. Um, but it happened. Uh, and I, I just think that they're, they're, they're the better team here for me. I just, um, I, I, I can't. I, I know that there seems to have been a lot of fanfare, Chris, about getting out of the first round, and it concerns me yeah. that maybe like the focus is lost and what Let the actual the goal is there, yeah. right? Um, but I still like them there. Um, I don't think the Kraken can do it again. Um, Dallas is really good. They've they've got um, they're they're so good defensively, and and I just I've mentioned to you that Seattle is like they're going out and doing it, and they're going for broke. I don't think it's going to work against a team that's as good defensively as Dallas is. Um, so I'm going there, and then I'm taking the Oilers too. Um, yeah, I mean they're just. They're, They're rolling right now. Too that damn talented. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. It, it, disgusting's the good way to put it. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take you and I'm going to place you inside the subconscious of Mike Sullivan 30 seconds at a time because due to the atomic structure of his brain, uh, you can only last 30 seconds. My magic there. school bus doesn't have enough gas, <laughs> gas to keep me in there long. <laughs> exactly. So 30 <laughs> seconds at a time, we are going to transport you into the subconscious of Mike Sullivan. I'm going to throw out a name and before you have to get out, you give me a 30 second take on what Mike Sullivan thinks of that name. Okay. Are you ready? Right. Alex Nylander. Um, I think Mike Sullivan is probably thinking he's excited that he's back, um, that there's a good foundation to build off for a bottom six role. If he can get a little bit more consistency out of his forechecking, um, a little bit more refinement out of his defensive zone work. I think he's he's very happy to have that tool in his, his toolbox. Perfect timing. Any longer, and you would have started to recite stats from the 1980s Red Sox. Um, let's go Jason Zucker. Um, I'm hoping that my management team, whoever they are, can find a way to bring him back uh, because he's coming off of a really a career year as far as the Penguins are concerned. Uh, finally found his scoring touch and, and I think proved, Chris, that there's a number of ways that he could potentially be used in a threatening level, uh, whether it be on zone entries, um, you know, getting a bigger role in a power play. The possibilities do seem endless. So I'm thinking about those possibilities. All right. Jeff Carter. Mm. Um I'm I, well. I'm <laughs> so this one becomes tougher because Mike Sullivan's thought of here is actually that he's a very good defensive talent that I'm very happy to have. Tell me about faceoffs, Jesse. Tell me about faceoffs. I can't face -offs. wait to deploy him in defensive zone faceoffs next year uh, <laughs> in really tight, close games against oh, the other Mike. team's best players. Oh God, it's scary in there. I'm gonna be careful. We're gonna have to get you out soon. All right, here's one that maybe you didn't think I was gonna bring up: Brian Rust. Mm, I gotta find a way to get more out of him. 
Um, I got to find a way to get the puck on his stick more. If you look at the years, Chris, analytically speaking, that Brian Rust really had his breakouts, the puck, he was, he was controlling the entries. Last year, that wasn't the case. I think those two things are tied together. I like him being the primary decision maker when he gets the puck uh, across the line with possession. I like him deciding what should happen next. I think he loses a little value when, when, when he's uh, trying to find open space or just a trigger man. So I'm thinking about ways I can get him more involved on the breakout and get the puck on his stick. Perfect timing again. All right, four more. 30 seconds from, from, from Sully subconscious on each one of these names. Mikhail Granlund. Uh, <laughs> how, what have they done to me? Um, how have they given me this player? No, I, I mean, how do you deploy him in a way that doesn't kill you, right? What, how do you maximize what he's good at? What he's good at is uh, setting guys up at even strength. Okay. I just gave that's, you the whole list. So how do you, how do you maximize that? If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. All right. Jeff Petrie. Uh, how, where's the, where's the right spot for him to be aggressive and not hurt himself. So I thought last year where he really struggled was not so much in like carrying the puck, Chris, but pinching once they already established possession, in the offensive zone, right. temper that find the happy space, get that happy medium and you'll get the fruit of that effort. Uh, POJ. Um, how do we refine him in transition? Um, I think he's very good with the puck on a stick. I think he adds a lot to your offensive game. Um, but I think when he's forced to play offense to defense in a hurry and the game flips on its head, we've got to get that transition nailed down. That has to get better. All right. One last one before like Martin Short in inner space or Dennis Quaid <laughs> or whatever it was, you expand back to full size and blow Sullivan's brain apart. Um, Tristan Jari. Uh, Where's his confidence at? Like, how, how do we get him feeling good about himself um, and feeling like he's he's the owner of this net? Um, where how, how does what do those conversations sound like? Uh, that was, I mean, efficient work. We got you in, we got you out, and you're still alive and in one piece. And you're not ranting and raving about Bill Buckner. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, because I know you spent much of Tuesday going back and forth with people because, look, I heard this rumor floated out there a couple weeks ago, even. I think it may have been Elliot Friedman who threw it out. I can't remember. So apologies to Elliot if it wasn't him. Um, but Stan Bowman's name has been thrown out there again as a possible director of hockey ops or upper front office management piece for the Penguins. As that search, you would hope, fingers crossed, knock on wood, begins in earnest here. Now that any pipe dreams of uh, attracting Kyle Dubas to Pittsburgh have gone out the window, I would presume. Um, can, what do you think a drives this thought in people is just because they recognize the last name and B how much of a step back would it be for this organization? Were they to go in that direction right now? So I think a couple of things, Chris, I think Stan Bowman's doing some PR for himself and trying to drum up interest uh, right. to get himself back in the game. And he's looking for places that his family has a connection and Pittsburgh's one of his places. Um, I frankly don't think Pittsburgh is interested in hiring um, what, what was the, what was the, the title supposedly that, that got thrown out like senior director of hockey operations, yeah, senior or like that. VP of yeah, they don't want trades. That. Yeah. Penguins don't want that. They're not interested in a player to a person to serve that role. They want a GM that has all the cards and gets to do whatever they want to do. So, um, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, look, look, here's the deal. We know based on the work of TSN that Stan Bowman knew about a really horrendous sexual assault situation in Chicago and didn't do anything about it. Right. Mm -hmm. We also know simultaneous to that, that he made absolutely abhorrent decisions with salary cap and drove the, the Blackhawks competitive window into the earth. So those are two things, you know, let's forget about the driving the Blackhawks competitive window into the earth. The sexual assault thing should be enough. 
right? It yeah. should be enough. And I think what we're, what we're seeing right now is, is, you know, a little self PR um, guys trying to kind of kick the, the winds up to get back into the business again. Um, but I think that that sets, look, here's the thing, Chris, the penguins are in a unique situation where they don't have a lot of window left. If they have any, if they have any, right. Yeah. Noting the situation Ron Hextall left them in. What about Stan Bowman's tenure gives anyone the indication that he's the person that's going to drive them out of this? I don't think that's the case. I mean, he's open, like FSG being one of the most forward thinking analytical organizations in sports is going to hire a guy who said, you know, that he thinks numbers in hockey are dumb. I don't, I just don't buy that. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I, not only optically would it just be a horrible thing, Chris, I mean, I just don't think that he has the skill set to navigate the team through this specific unique set of challenges that they have. One last thing before I let you run. Um, you mentioned there that you think the Penguins are looking for the one person who will hold all the cards uh, and will be in control of those decisions. Um, that would be encouraging to me if they went in that direction because it would mean they're not trying to marry two different concepts, like bringing in someone from the old boys network to, to run as director of hockey ops. Uh, and then bring in a younger, fresher-faced, cutting-edge, analytical mind as the GM. Um, if they can get one person in place to do all of that, it's perfect. That being said, the one name I keep hearing as perhaps the most perfect to do both because she's got experience as a player agent, she's well-connected around the league, and is also analytically-minded, it also sounds like Emily Castonguay has been attracted back to Vancouver and perhaps isn't as interested in striking out on her own right now um, after interviewing in Philly. I don't know, again, the veracity of that. That's coming from, again, Elliot. Um, I, I would I would push back on that too, though, Chris, because there's an open lawsuit going on right now in Vancouver that alleges that Emily Castingay, uh, you know, essentially mistreated pretty horribly uh, one of her employment uh, employees and, and kind of flushed her mental health needs right down the toilet. So I think as far as that is concerned, if we're looking, look, this is an opportunity for the Penguins to come in with a fresh slate, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 put somebody in this job that that um, doesn't have some of that stuff attached to them, right? Right. So um, I'm in the same boat, man. I, I that those the answer for me with with Castingay is the same as it is for Bowman, and that uh, there's a little too much uh, uh, um, bad attachment there that. Um, you know, I just, I don't think the penguins need that kind of, uh, attention right now. Okay. I promise I'm going to let you go after this. It's okay. Eric Tulski then is that, yeah. is that the next, is that the next name on the list? If we're looking for someone to marry both sides of this thing, for someone to grow into, uh, a well-networked role around the league, I'm sure he's networked fairly well now, uh, having worked in Carolina, uh, for a while, but uh, someone who it can grow into a well-networked role around the league, but also has the right mindset and is looking for the right things in building a roster. Yeah, that's a that's probably the Moby Dick uh, of the situation, Chris. If you're looking for for both sides, um, you know, I don't think people realize, Chris, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in hockey analytics today, we talk about because Eric Tulski invented it. Hmm. He wrote it. He invented it. Like the concept of like the how we discuss expected goals today. Um, you know, that that's to me how you identify good talent. So I'll throw another name out there. Pittsburghers are going to know it's Sam Ventura. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's paid some dues. Um, but I think that if you're looking for that, both sides of the coin piece to it, um, you know, he's another name, Rachel Dory is another one I'll throw out there. If you're looking for a good hockey ops person, um, you know, she's been around with a couple orgs now. Uh, but I think all of these names sort of hold these same traits, right? I mean, even Jason Bottrell is a guy, I think you could throw his name in there. Mm -hmm. Um, you're probably not getting him, but, um, I think that that's, that's the vibe you should be going for Chris, right? Is, is guys that, guys, people that have player evaluation techniques 
that are tried and true and provable and repeatable and, and are not just they're multifaceted and not just one armed. Right. And I think that's that's really what I think the FSG should be looking for. Well, we'll see if they get on it at any point in the near future, um, because like I said, it seems now if they had any pipe dreams of Kyle Dubas, um, I know that was kicked around a lot north of the border before the Maple Leafs won that series, that those would be out the window. and that they I'm not finally... ruling that out. No? No, nah, I'm still lingering it about. I think I think one round I don't think does enough to satiate that for me. You know, I think if they if they go and they make a serious run, sure. He's got work that I think he's probably going to want to finish, but I don't know. I, I think that if they were to somehow get upset in this round, Chris, do you think that he's done enough to ward off some of the wolves up there? I don't don't know either, but I wonder, I I think the other side of the coin there would be, would he feel like he had, but uh, MLSE feel like he hadn't, and therefore you've got a conflict and they can't come to an agreement on a new contract. So I could see it from that perspective, certainly. Um, But then I I, I just, I I want them to get going on this thing. I, I don't know if it's the anxiousness of seeing Philadelphia start their search earlier already, although that seems to have stalled out a bit. I get it. The playoffs are going on. There's still eight teams alive. There's still eight teams that are licking their wounds, trying to figure out their own directions. Um, And then another uh, 15 teams from there that are trying to figure out what they're doing going forward. Um, Part of me wants Fenway to figure it out sooner rather than later so that they're not sitting around interviewing uh, the remnants, the leftovers, the scraps. Um, But then again, you could ask, uh, who will be interested in this gig. That's a conversation for a different day. I've already kept you much longer than I said I was going to keep you. Thank you, Jesse, for providing some really solid insight on where the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs has taken us as Penguin fans as we look ahead to the summer. I appreciate it as always. Thank you. Wonderful to catch up with Jesse on a number of different issues. We, we had to get into some talk there about how Fenway Sports Group will start to. Uh, Start to approach this search because, you know, it has been all quiet on the Western front, the Eastern front, the Southern front, the Northern front, all quiet in all directions uh, from PPG Paints Arena uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. As I know, Dave Beeston uh, from Fenway Sports Group is going to be more active and more present and more visible. Maybe not visible. That's probably not the right word, Uh, but more present uh, in whatever FSG and the Pittsburgh Penguins want to do this summer and rebuilding the front office for this team. Um, But you would hope that would lead to greater action. Hopefully we we're reaching the end of the analysis point. The analysis has been done. Uh, The lists have been built and the interviews, the whining and dining will start. and. I just, for my money, would much rather see this team know who the leader of their front office is going to be before the end of the month so that they can start to really process what their offseason strategy is going to be going into the draft and going into free agency rather than sitting around waiting for the postseason to come to its final conclusion the second week of June or whenever it may be. And then all of a sudden try and throw some things together in preparation for the draft and free agency come July. So, you know, we'll keep you up to date right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Thanks again to Jesse Marshall. Later in the week, we are going to further break down 
what happened in the first round. Because again, it becomes instructive on what to expect the Penguins to do this offseason. I really think it is anyway. In order to know where the Penguins are headed, you have to understand where the rest of the league is going to try to head this offseason. And in figuring that out, you have to understand where a quarter of the league just came from, which is a loss in the first round. So we will spend one day later this week talking to those who covered the losing teams out West in Winnipeg, Minnesota, Colorado, and LA. We will spend another day talking to those who covered the teams who lost in the East on both Long Island and in Manhattan, as well as in Boston and Tampa. And we'll do that later in the week. Again, you want to be notified of when those episodes are ready for you, both on YouTube and inside your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Be sure to click on the notification button or the following button and get notified as soon as those are ready. And feedback, as always, welcome. Chris.Mac, M-A-C-K, C-H-R-I-S dot M-A-C-K at Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, or just on Twitter, at the Chris Mac. as we get ready for a couple more episodes and get ready for the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.